This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode eight of Equine Clicker 101 podcast on Horse Radio Network. Better handling is everything is today's episode. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. They are Jeffers Pet and Cavalor. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of getting your horse really comfortable being touched anywhere, anytime, any place, anybody, and and we're going to talk about why those things are so important. But they really are a foundational piece. If you don't, if your horse doesn't already know the clicker and the target and the early pieces, and maybe the the stand, the early pieces that we've talked about, go back and review those first early episodes. They really are the foundation that's going to help you to succeed as we move forward. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's all interjected and all part of it, but it really does prepare your horse emotionally, psychologically, as well as physically for the next part. One of the things I get asked a lot is where to buy clickers. You can go to uh, my website, which is www.on-target-training.com. So it's on target training with the hyphens between the on target and training. (laughs) Okay. And the other thing we want to do is it's really important. Our sponsors are a great part of what we do. And for all your other horsey needs, you can go find the clickers and the targets and all that from my website, but you can also find all your other horsey needs at the ever so convenient and easy to use Jeffers Pet. We're going to talk about basically better handling is everything. We're going to talk about tactile and, and being able to touch your horse everywhere all the time in different ways and with two people and one people and, and in different scenarios. Because all of these things, we kind of take it for granted. But sometimes, you you know, something comes up and they have an injury and, and you do have to touch an area that you haven't normally touched and you can find they're quite protective of it or they can be defensive and then even more so because of an injury or whatever it might be. But it really does prepare. This is a foundation that prepares your horse for clipping and mounting and vet care and farrier work and your visiting nephews, but so much more, you know, just about blanketing or, or putting on fly spray or all of these things. We want them to have the human touch, not only be something they tolerate, but something that actually is quite comforting and familiar with them. And when they are, we we've taken steps towards bigger goals. So a lot of times when I've had people go through this, they all of a sudden they're like, I can't even get near his sheath, you know, and they didn't ever think that, or I can't really take a temperature or or whatever it might be. So, or the ears, you know, the ears is another one. These are all part of the, the overall well-being of our horse and preparing them for things that come later. So we're going to talk about touching all the different areas of your horse and how do you make those approximations and get to those places. Now, right off the bat, you may think to yourself, oh, my horse hates his ears. Oh, my horse will not let me touch her teats. Oh, my horse does not like it if I'm, you know, 
on the left side or the right side or that, you know, they all, they can have things that you already know are an issue. But I, I think if you go through and you try to handle some of these areas, you might go, oh, surprise, it is not such a great thing or not so easy. So we are going to go through this a little bit of a systematic way. And it, and it might just simply be a, an exercise in building a better reinforcement history for your horse. Maybe your horse is really stoic about it. And then there's other horses that can also be shut down about it, that somewhere in their handling as a young horse, it was, you know, they were kind of made to do it, or, you know, they got corrected if they didn't stand still. So sometimes they can freeze and stand still, but they're not really as comfortable as it might seem on the outside. I've talked before about standing frozen and still is not the same as standing calm and relaxed. So it may look the same because both horses are standing in the same place without moving, but how is your horse? Are his ears soft or is you know, or his eyes look soft and round, or they look a little hard and defensive. Is there tension in the jaw? Is the tail swishing? Is the head up? Is the, you know, is there tension in the neck? Are there all those little things that can tell you? Are their lips tight? Are they square? Are they soft? Is their chin kind of pointy underneath? All those things can tell you if your horse is really relaxed and quiet. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes those horses that have learned to shut down, people think about a shutdown horse, meaning they don't do anything. Well, sometimes complete compliance is a shutdown horse. It's called learned helplessness. So we want to be, you know, and sometimes it's hard to tell if you really are okay or if you're not okay. I talk about some zebras I worked with and some ollie wild asses, but the, the zebras give you nothing I mean, their eyes don't change. Their nose doesn't change. Their nostrils don't flare. They just, you, they give you no information. So you're like, are you about to take me out at the knees or are you okay? You know, I don't really know. So all I could do is do a little step and feed a lot, little step and feed a lot. So at the very least, I knew that I was switching that reinforcement history to be sure that I was building a good reinforcement history with standing quietly at least, because that may be a step we get through until it, it really is something that they they like. And again, I want to, things may, we may find spots that are hard for the horses and we want to get it where we're going to go through a phase where they tolerate it. But then the next phase after that, that pretty soon they'll actually like it. You know, this is a good example. There's a horse who you could not touch his ears and he had some other issues that we worked with. So I wasn't really too worried about the ears at first, but what I started doing is slowly building up and touching first his neck and a little closer, a little closer, a little closer, a little closer till I could touch, you know, kind of by behind his ears and his pole. And then I could cut my hand around his, his ear and then I could squish his ear and put my finger down in his ear, you know, and until, and, and you could tell he's like, eh, but I'll do it because I'm going to get reinforced. So pretty soon he's like, all right, you can do it. So it wasn't tension so much as you can do it. And then pretty soon I would just hold my hand in the air and he would come and put his ear in my hand. Now I know that that horse actually likes it and wants to come up and volunteer and do this and wants me to do that for him. So that's kind of the thinking we want to have through this process. So we can get where each of these things is not only tolerated, but actually is good. And now we have a little bit of clout because they're like, why can't I like that? So think about a horse. If you're getting ready to uh, for a young horse and you're going to get him ready for saddling, or sometimes we need to reback a horse that's had a, a sour history with something, you know, and you put on that saddle and he's just 
grumpy and we need to rebuild a new reinforcement history. Well, it's going to start by being sure you can touch each of those areas and making sure you can do all that and they're okay with it and, and actually even good with it. And another thing I'm going to tell you is a lot of times we talk about using food. Food is considered a primary reinforcer. This is something they're born liking and wanting food. They need food to survive. Food is a primary reinforcement. Nobody has to teach them about liking food. But we've all met those horses. Some horses love to be rubbed in certain areas. Some horses love to be rubbed all over. Some horses only love to be rubbed at certain seasons, like when it's shedding season. Some horses love to be rubbed all the time. Some horses are like, do not touch me ever anywhere. You know, so, so I don't think it is that they, I think there's some horses that have sensitive skin, some of the thoroughbreds or certain times a year when it's all buggy out or whatever it might be. But a lot of times it's more defensive, I think, than it is genuine. So we can actually build touching and rubbing as a positive reinforcement by pairing it with the food. So it's kind of back to that. We're building it as what's called instead of a primary reinforcement, it's called the secondary or conditioned reinforcer. So food is primary or unconditioned. This would be a secondary or conditioned. So what we can do is rub, click, feed or click, rub, feed, click, rub, feed, click, rub, feed. So pretty soon, just like the clicker in the clicker we had to with the clicker in the beginning or whatever bridge signal we're using, we had to give it value. We had to pair it with a primary reinforcement. We paired it with food till pretty soon they're like, oh, I love the clicker. They don't even know why they like the clicker. It creates a physical response in them equivalent to the food. We can also do this with our tactile and and, and creating secondary reinforcers and rubbing them. And, and that is a really important way to go. So by backing up a lot of times your tactile with food, we can turn it into something, a, an extra reinforcer. So that's just, that's kind of beside the point, but something to think about as you're, you're going along, because I do systematically teach rubbing them as a f- food or, or as a reward. My horses have to learn that I'm going to hold their nose and kiss it. <laughs> now, this is just my own thing. But by now, I, Murray, when I first got him, he's like, do not touch my nose. Do not hold my head and do not put your face by my head. And now I go up and I put, you know, I go up and hold his nose and kiss it. You can see his eyes are all soft and his ears are all forward. And I don't have to feed him for that anymore. He just likes it. And he doesn't know why he likes it. It's just a comfortable thing. But it's something that I systematically trained because it's really... It's one of the ways I like to express, you know, my affection for them. So, so there you go. That's a little confession, we might say. Okay. So we're going to get a little bit more into that as we go. Um, right now, I, what I'd like you to do is please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Located in Dothan, Alabama, Jeffers was founded in 1975 by Dr. Keith Jeffers, in order to provide local livestock owners with a reliable and more cost-efficient source for their supplies. Fast forward 40-plus years, and today, Jeffers has become a trusted source for equine, pet, and livestock supplies all across the United States. But they've not lost sight of the personal service that got them started all those years ago. You can still visit the Jeffers store in Dothan, or you can shop online at jefferspet.com, where you will find an astounding array of products for your equine habit. From quality tack, English and Western, to the supplies and healthcare products that you have come to depend on, as well as new and innovative lines to help your horse be his or her best. Visit them today at jefferspet.com. 
Heidi. Well, now what we're going to do, we kind of got an idea of some of the things you're going to be working on. So what we want to do is get to our horses. So what do you want to do first is get ready to turn off your podcast so that you can save this and pick it up when we're ready to get to the next part. But in between now and then, before you turn it back on, want to be sure that you have your equipment, you have your clicker, you have your target, you have your you know, even stationary target might be a good tool for this exercise. So grab your things, get some good food, get some of that Cavalier feed because you can use lots of it. And it's really healthy for your horse. It's like giving him a salad for training. <laughs> okay. And then you want to get your horse in a safe place. Where can you get it where he's going to be? You're going to set him up for success. He's going to be relaxed. You're really going to be able to maximize a calm, relaxed, wanting to be still. So think about that. Get him in a safe place where you can work him by himself doesn't work so well with others. And then I want you, when you're all ready and you're set and your horse is set, you're going to turn it back on and we are going to get moving into the lab portion. All right. So here we are with our horse. Now, before you step in with them, I want you to keep in mind that this can go for all different areas that you're handling. Like I said, you might have ears as your thing, or you might have, you know, the, the getting towards the temper, you know, the, the butt for a temperature is a challenge. Getting towards sheath and teats, even the mares are really kind of can be quite protective about that area can be a challenge. So whatever you piece you want to do, you can go to that place. I'm going to focus on getting towards the ears with Murray because that's not a great or easy place to go. Near his ears and eyes and head, he can get a little bit funny. But you know, it could be that you also, one of the things you want to do with your horse is be able to have the, uh, you know, be able to give him um, warmer, you know, so you want to be able to hold his little muzzle and move his muzzle around and stick a finger in and do that kind of thing. We'll have an episode on that particular thing at some point. But but those are all areas before you go there, you should be sure that your horse is comfortable to have his head touched and held, that you can pull his lips back, you can handle or cover his eyes, you can play with his ears, you can go back and put a thermometer in his rectum, you can handle his sheath without him worrying about it. So check all those places. We can go kind of through the whole body a little bit and find the place that it is your tricky spot for your horse that maybe, but you might already know where it is and one might surprise you. So naturally, like I said earlier, you want to start someplace where they're comfortable and relaxed and more uh, apt to, to do this. Really behind it all is not necessarily the, um, it, it isn't really the calm and relaxed is what we're looking for. It's not frozen and stopped. It's calm and relaxed. So that is a thing that we're really looking for behind it all. So if you're ready, I'm going to, as I tend to do, I tend to start with uh, some of your simple familiar behaviors to start. I'm going to start with turning the head away, especially for Murray. Murray is a horse who gets rather 
um, energized. So Murray needs a lot of, I need you to settle. I need you to focus. He's an off the track thoroughbred who's young and defensive. So I start with some kind of quiet stuff to have him relax a little bit and make sure he's engaged in the game. And it lets me know kind of how he's feeling. So I'm going to ask him to go to his stationary target, which he has mounted on his wall. And I'm going to ask him to turn his head away first. So I start our behaviors, even if I'm going to really excited stuff, I start with the quiet stuff because I, I want him to bring it down and him to learn and practice that impulse control, which we've worked on with our Liberty leading. Okay. So if you're all set, here we go. Hey, Mer. So I'm going in and first thing, I'm standing right by his shoulder and looking for him to turn his head away. So he turned his head away. I click, I feed over where I want his head to be. And by now, I'm going to clarify this. I say turn his head away, but by now, at first it was turning his head away because there's just a little too much Murray on my hands. But now I kind of got it where his head is just slightly away. So he just kind of keeps it more or less to himself versus, so it's clearly not with me, but it's not an activity of turning his head away. It's just stand with your head to yourself. So I'm going to repeat that a couple times. That's good. So I do it again. And I click and feed. And with Murray, I've built up a little bit of duration. So it seems to help him. So, okay, I do it again. So he's got his head away. There we go. And so now he kind of took a little breath and I could see him go from, oh, I'm trying to do something. I could see his eye softened a little bit and he kind of thought, oh yeah, we're just doing this thing. So I really like that. So I fed that a couple handfuls because that's really what I want. It's not so much about his head, but I mean, of where his head physically is, it's what where his head mentally is. I want his head to settle and slow down. So that's great. Good. And I'm going to take a step towards the stationary target. Say, hey, Murray, key target. Good. So he went over to his target and click. So he's learning to hold on his target a little bit longer. So I'm building up a little duration. So this is something we're kind of continuing on, but it is again familiar and gives him something to do. This also in this exercise for Murray, you know, I've worked on some of this stuff with him a bit because I've worked on asking him and challenging him a little bit with some things like handling his sheath area and if he's uh, clipping was another one that's really been kind of is problematic for him so if he gets worried what I find he does he goes to a stationary target all on his own and I will reinforce him for that because I want him to feel like the stationary target is a safe place for him to go it's a place he can go to and kind of if he needs to kind of regroup things into something that's safe and good, it becomes a bit of a security blanket for him. So I quite like that and I don't mind that. And so I want him to know that the stationary target is an option in our, our training program now. Okay, so that's great. And I clicked him. He's now back towards me and, and I like him to go to the stationary target and then come back to me when I click. So he's back here. I'm going to do another one of just standing with his head to himself for a minute good and I clicked and fed and for me that that cue for that is simply me standing beside him 
I let out a deep breath and kind of stand relaxed, shoulder to shoulder, facing in the same direction. So that's really his cue. It's kind of a default cue, default behavior. So any point in time, if energy comes up a little bit, I can go to that place and say, hey, let's just settle. What do we do with this? And there's clarity and familiarity. And he knows that that's kind of a thing where he just needs to settle and relax. So that was great. So now, like I said, this is something I've worked on a little bit with him, but it's his ears are not so great. And when I was working on the clipping, if I got the clippers anywhere near his head, he started flipping his head around like there's bees all around his head. So I'm going to start this little exercise. So for me, I'm going to focus more on his ears, but I'm going to start the exercise out with some familiar things that I've done. I'm going to just go to his shoulder and pet his shoulder and then click and feed him where I want his head to be. So this is an exercise like the feet when we were working on the feet in the last episode where I want him to stand still. I want him to stay and maintain his position. I'll come to him. So that's what I did. I went to his side and petted and clicked and fed him. So I'm getting it really well established that what I want from him is the standing quietly and not doing anything so that he knows I just wait here and we're doing I started with something familiar and not hard. Now, if you've never done this with your horse and you go right to a challenging place, that's not really going to set him up for success. You want him saying yes, 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 yes. But a lot of times when we get him to say no, we've got him suspicious, you know, and now they're all of a sudden like, no. And they can back off and we can get more no's. So if I can go slow and successful, I get more a succession of yeses. So I went to something familiar. I clicked and fed. So even if your horse is new to it, where do you think your horse is most comfortable being touched? Most horses, it is the shoulder or kind of higher on the barrel. So you can go there. You can pet there, click and reinforce and establish. This is all we're doing. It's no big deal. And you're, you're more apt to get the right response and you've got their little minds in the game thinking oh we're just doing the thing just stand still so that was great so i did i'm going to do that a couple times and i'm going to broaden the range where my hand goes so i'm going to kind of do circles around his barrel working kind of a little further back to his hind end because he can be quite defensive and kicky with his hind end. And then I'm going to start, that circle's also going to go a little bit lower towards his sheathy area. So I'm just going to do a big circle. Good. And click. And now I'm reinforcing him. Now remember, like when we do things that can be challenging, when I make my big circle on his barrel, I'm going to the comfortable places up by his, you know, his top line is usually better for him and his shoulder. But then my hand circled to some riskier places that may take him just a touch over threshold, not over threshold, but approaching threshold. But then that circle kind of quickly went back into the easy relax zone. So as you take the threshold up a little bit, you can bring it back down and he can go, okay, that's all right. It's no big deal. So I'm going to do that a couple times. And that is great. So I click and I fed again where I want him to be, where his head to be. Okay, so now I'm going to go actually go more towards his sheathy area. So I'm going to point, I'm going to pet in circles a little bit uh, lower, kind of under his belly, along his belly line. And very good. 
And that was really good. Now, what Murray did, and this is not an unusual thing for Murray to do. This is a phase he is in. He kind of cocked his leg. Not high, like I'm going to kick it, but I have the weight off of it in case I need it. So I when I could see him kind of go, oh, I'm a little defensive. And then I could see that point where he kind of softened it. And I could tell his foot went more to a resting place. So I will click that in the beginning. I don't, you got to be careful because he could get this chain where he thinks, oh, what I'm supposed to do is get up and then relax. And then I get fed. So I'm not always going to feed him for that correction. I will just make a mental note in my head and think sometimes when I go back here, he can get defensive. So next time I'm going to look for him not to go to that place. And, and if I need to, I can back up my tactile so it's not quite so uh, worrisome for him. Or I can kind of just do the same until he settles a little bit. And, and knowing Murray, we have been through this a little bit. So I'm not going to dwell on this part. I'm going to get back to the front end and getting to his head, ear, eye area. Good. So I did it again right in that area. And he stayed nice and relaxed this time. So I clicked. And again, I fed him a couple handfuls for that. So this time he didn't even put in the extra kind of tension leg threatening action there. So just looking for him to be nice and relaxed. Now I want to keep in mind that safety is first and foremost. So one of the things that's really important with Murray, he has a door and has a, you know, a little paddock outside that he can go to. I do not block that, block that door. I want him to know he will pretty much because of his history and where we're, he'll tend to go to his uh, target if he's if it's just a little too much, he goes to a stationary target, which is mounted in the wall, in his back wall, in his stall. But his door is open. So if he feels too much, he can go all the way outside and get away from it. And I won't block that. And I won't follow him out there. I let him kind of make up his mind to come back in and work with me or not. So if he kind of goes out there, and what I mostly see from him, if he's a little too much, he's out there. And then after a second, he comes back in and wants to get back to it, you know? So, so I take that. That's a really loud, actually, and very clear communication. And I want to respect that. So I'm going to take some steps back till he doesn't feel the need to get away. And remember, sometimes real worry can look rather nonchalant. So I don't take it for granted that that was no big deal. I think actually that was a pretty big deal. So I'm going to back it up a little bit till he doesn't feel the need to do that. But I do want to give him that place to go. And if at any moment in time you feel like you are in an unsafe situation, get out of that situation as safely and quickly and efficiently as possible. And take that as a very loud and clear mental note. Ooh, that was way more. It's because sometimes like, you know, you're like, we're good. We're good. We're good. Whoa, he nearly clocked me. You know, and then you you go, okay, I didn't see that coming. I didn't know. But mental note, I'm going to learn for that. He didn't do something wrong. He simply gave you, it's all information. You didn't do something wrong. He didn't do something wrong. It was just information to figure out that wasn't comfortable for him. And that wasn't safe for me. So I'm going to go about this a little bit differently or a little bit slower. So really try to move conservatively and asking the question and asking the question and reinforcing the good things. But but be paying attention to. And one of the things that's great about when you're touching it. Sorry, Murray. Okay, I'm clicking and feeding Murray because he's just standing with me really patiently while I'm talking to you. And 
it, it seems like nothing, but it's a huge skill. So I'm going to give him a couple handfuls actually in his bucket for a minute. Because it's really, I appreciate that. Standing quietly while I talk with a, a split focus is really a skill that I work on a lot and try not to take for granted. Because in the beginning, he would he would demand my attention. <laughs> so anyway, so if I'm going along and I feel like anything gets unsafe, you want to get out of that situation because safety is first and foremost. But also, if your horse gets to an unsafe place, he's really gotten over threshold. So remember, it's all information. Nobody's doing anything wrong. Your horse is just going to give you a whole series of information. Okay, let me get back to concentrating because that's that's not always great to go in and just have your horse stand there. And that's where I reinforced him. Okay, so now he's doing great. So he's still kind of eating some of the food in his bowl, but that's okay. I'm just going to touch just his neck just above his shoulders while he's still eating. And I'm going to click and I'm going to give him a few sprinkles in his bowl. Okay, that's good. And I'm going to let him wait till he gets his head back up when he's finished his, his couple handfuls there. So, doot, 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 there he is. Okay. Okay. So now Murray is done eating and he's back looking like, what do we do next? So what I'm going to do is I know that I'm okay at his neck. So I'm okay there. So I'm going to kind of start my circles and move up his neck a little bit till I'm about a foot from his neck, uh, from his ears. Okay, good. Click. I clicked when I was up there and he showed me basically no response and I clicked and fed. If his head goes high for a little bit, I'll keep right where I am and see if he can't bring it back down quickly. Because a lot of times I go, oh, okay, I'm good. And he'll bring it back down and that's okay. But if his head stays high, I will just reinforce it with my hand there. I might stop the movement, but just reinforce him a few times, back off and come at it again a little bit. If his head goes high and he looks a little worried, I'm not really gonna go, I'm not gonna move forward until I can have him doing that part without any worries in the world, without any reaction. So part of our greedy trainer syndrome that we all get is we have a tendency to go, oh, that was, gr I got through that, so I'm moving to the next place. But if they show you they're not comfortable, even slightly uncomfortable, I don't move forward until I feel like that is completely comfortable. I don't care how long it takes, doesn't matter to me. This isn't about me, this is about them. So if he goes, oh, you surprised me, and then goes back down and seems like he truly can relax, then I can move forward a little bit. But if I kind of keep getting a big reaction or a startle at first, it softens. Like I said, I won't move forward until there's no reaction. Okay, so he did great with that. So now I'm going to move up and my circles now this time moving up kind of right behind his ears. And you can see he's kind of his eyes a little bit bigger. And not sure what to do with it. So I'm just keeping my movement a little bit small, a little bit soft, but kind of continuing in that area. There you go. And you could see he kind of went, oh, okay, no big deal. And he softened. So I fed that quite a bit. So I gave him a couple handfuls for that because that's why I want him to learn that this is good. Now remember, this part is called counter conditioning. So this is for some, for some reason, something he finds unpleasant. You know, whether it's from the racetrack or, 
you know, it's from bugs being on his ear. Who knows what? But he is clearly something he's not so comfortable with. So I'm counter conditioning. I'm taking something that he doesn't like. And now I'm trying to put more reinforcement to rebalance those scales till it's something he does like. So that was great. So now I'm going to do it again. Start the circles. Kind of in the same place and moved right up to there. And he's pretty good with that. So I'm now moving my hand to between his ears just a little bit. Kind of like going up and then back and then up and then back. Good. And he didn't actually change in that one very much, which is really good because I kind of thought he might. But he was pretty good. So I clicked and fed him for that one. So kind of, you know, as you go try these things, you start figuring out what part of this don't you like? You know, like with the ears, is it something in the ears? Is it holding the ears? A lot of horses have actually had ear twitches done. You know, where people grab, you know, it's a horrible practice, but they'll grab the ear and use it as a control point for them. So sometimes the horses that have had that, they're quite defensive about their ears. So sometimes it's the handling their ears. Sometimes it's anywhere near their ears. Maybe it's something to do that happened in haltering. Maybe a bug on their ear. I don't know. Doesn't always matter if we can't necessarily tell. And like I said, I try to remind everybody of this. Be sure there's not a physical cause behind it. You know, if it seems like super duper reactive, you know, maybe have your vet check. Is there something going on in the ear that you can't recognize or whatever it might be? Okay. So now what I'm going to do, I'm going to go back. I'm going to try. I'm going to start back a little bit again. Not back far. I'm just like kind of right behind his ears, moving up to the between the ears a little bit where I dip forward and dip back a little bit. So I'm kind of going, ooh, can I touch it? Can I come back? And he's pretty good with that. So now what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring my thumb and see if I can't just on the base of him rub around the bottom of his ear. So it's not really the ear like it feels like I'm holding his ear, but I'm going, I'm rubbing the base, the his neck kind of around the ear, you know, so like the circumference there. And that gets a little response, but good. And then he said a little bit. So I clicked and fed him for that. And that that was okay. I think if my hand were up touching his ear, I suspect we may have a bigger reaction. So I'm kind of trying to break it down to as small as steps as I can. So if I'm touching his neck around his ear, it's not holding his ear, but he's getting used to the sensation of feeling, you know, human touch around both parts of it. Okay, so now we're going to go and we're going to do this again. Good. Okay, and I'm going to reinforce that and I'm going to leave it there actually. And and it's because I think this is such a hard thing for him. I want to keep this extra short and sweet for him. I want him to think, well, I loved that. So what I did is I, and I can tell there was a lot of apprehension in it. He let me do it. He didn't have a big reaction, but I could see kind of in his face and eyes that he was trying harder than he was comfortable with. And, and I don't know if that makes sense to everybody or if you've seen that, but with the positive reinforcement, we can actually get them when they're trying beyond their comfort level. And I don't really want to go there because this is when that we can start into something called trigger stacking, you know, where they're like, oh, I don't like it, but I'm trying. I don't like it, but I'm trying. Don't like it. And it's all kind of the tension, the adrenaline's piling up. And that's where when we let it back down by doing something easy, we can let that kind of go. But but I know that he's trying beyond his comfort level is what it looks like to me. I feel like he's 
his eyes and tension in his mouth are showing me that I'm trying really hard, but this isn't the, his eyes get kind of big. They get kind of big and round looking, you know, they don't get hard as much as round, but they look kind of big and round. So I think that while he was letting me do that, that's because of our relationship that's been built on positive reinforcement. I don't think it was necessarily his comfort level. So I'm going to take that as a bigger step for him. I think that was really good. And I'm going to reinforce him quite a bit. And we're going to let that be. Again, I'm reinforcing him in two ways. One, I'm saying, here's food. I appreciate it. Here's a pile of food. So I've given him a jackpot. I put, put like, again, probably a pound in his bucket that I had left over in my bucket. And so he can eat his his food and that's a great thing and he can be reinforced for it but the other thing I'm doing I'm quitting the session so something that kind of is like he's like oh I'm trying but I don't necessarily like this a lot and and I, and he's loose he's I don't have a halter on him he can walk out the door he can go to his target he can do whatever he wants but he's choosing to be here but I know that he's trying harder than it's really comfortable for him so I want to end it and say that's it that's all you have to do we're not going to keep building on that because it, it there's still some tension in it so i hope that makes sense for everybody so find a good place to stop with your horse you know no matter what that place might be remember going slower and getting yes 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 is better than going too fast but sometimes we go too fast and go oops who knew you know he snorted ran out the door so in that case sometimes just getting them back to commit to trying is good enough for me i say can you come back can you touch the target that's great i'm glad you came back to try and reinforce him but find a good place to end with your horse and give him his jackpot and then uh what i want you to do is come on out of there and turn in a minute you're going to turn off uh, your uh your your podcast and get your horse in a safe place give him his jackpot uh get him back to where he needs to be turn off your podcast wrap it up out there and then what we're going to do is we are going to uh get back in the barn or get back and we're going to finish it with our wrap-up and our homework Okay, so hopefully that went well for you. Clearly, there's a ton to build on, and that's really, really important. So think about it. When we're doing the training, the training, people wonder, how often do I do the training? Am I doing it too much? Am I not doing it enough? What does it look like? Well, training, first of all, is not linear. I say this a lot, but it's really important. You're going to have good days and bad days, and it's going to go, yay, 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 and a step back, and a step up, and a step back, and eight steps up, and one step, you know, so that's just part of it. So don't get discouraged. Sometimes I have people call me and go, it all fell apart. And I'll be like, oh, that's too bad. How long has it been going this way? And they're like, today. And you're like, well, I just get back at it. Everybody has a bad day. So one of the things to keep in mind too, is you can, I say, if you can do the, oh, the, you know, if you can do the training three times a day, just three to five minute sessions, nice, short and sweet, that is fantastic. But if you're doing something that might have some tension in it, like this can be something that's a little bit of tension. I wouldn't do this every single time. I mix it up with their fun stuff and their easier stuff and go do the target in between and lift their feet and, and do other things that are fun and well-established so they don't think, oh, golly, here she comes again and we're doing that thing I hate that is so challenging. It should never feel like that. And But you can, if you get too focused on something that is hard for them, it can have a bit of a 
kind of negative effect. So, so mix it up. So I wouldn't necessarily do this three times a day solely, but you could do it maybe a little bit in each session and do some other fun things. So that's really important. If you see your horse starting to walk away a lot, you're definitely going too long. So I want you to shorten it back up, make them very short and very sweet for a little bit of effort. Or, and, and sometimes you're going to find that your horse is really eager and wants to keep going. Don't keep going until they walk away. That doesn't help anybody. You want to walk away with them wanting more and thinking this is great because if you just wear out your welcome, they're like, meh, she'll be back. I don't really care. So if you start to feel kind of some ambivalence there, I would rein it back in, do a little bit less, uh, more reinforcement and, and putting the jackpot in also negates the fact that they don't want it to end. They quite like it. So the jackpot is important because it helps us to take their mind out of this seeking mode and this what I do and the problem solving and kind of puts them into grazing mode and makes it quite reinforcing while we leave. So that's really important. Okay. And the other thing people ask about is what should I feed? Well, we have a great answer for that. It's Cavalor. It's amazing food and an amazing treat and very healthy for your horse. Very low in sugars. It's just, it's a holistic, good approach, whether your horse is a world equestrian game athlete or a trail horse or even a pasture pet. So let's hear a word from our sponsors, Cavalor, which I'm super excited about. And do you know what? If you don't know where to find Cavalor treats or Cavalor supplements, or you, you can actually get them at Jeffers. How, how easy is that? And when you come back, we're going to have homework assignment for this particular, uh, for our exercise and what we should do in the next couple of weeks. Cavalor is a horse feed supplement and care product company that was founded in Belgium 30 years ago, and they have been producing feed for the U.S. market since 2012. Its nutrition is based in the way horses are meant to eat. Cavalor's philosophy is based around mimicking the horse's natural diet and how they would eat in the wild, while recognizing that the demands we put on them today are different than wild horses of long ago. One of the things I love about Cavalor is that their products are natural, backed by research and science, and are proven to be effective. That's why Cavalor was a feat of choice for over 100 riders in the most recent World Equestrian Games, for riders in every discipline and from countries around the world. Not only do they make feed, but they also have a complete line of supplements and care products. If you've struggled with any kind of nutritional issue with your horse, you know that all products don't really work as advertised. So that's why Cavalors is unique. Their products don't make it to the market until they have been proven effective in making noticeable differences in the issue a horse is facing. A lot of times we have behavioral issues with horses, but a lot of these issues actually have a nutritional root. With the positive reinforcement or clicker training, we strive to help the horses to be truly happy. To me, part of that, that philosophy well, really a big part of that philosophy includes making sure I'm doing everything I can to ensure their emotional as well as physical well-being. There's no denying that a good diet is a huge factor in that equation. The best part is Cavalier's team is so easy to work with. You can reach out to them through their website or Facebook page and a real life person will call you back to personally talk you through your horse's nutritional needs. Learn more about their products at www.cavalier.us. Or reach out to them through their Facebook page, Cavalor North America. I tell you, you'll be glad you did. Okay, now back to our show. Well, I know that 
everybody's that had to look if if we could watch 20 of you guys on a video, I'm sure that looked really different for everybody because we all have different areas that the horses are sensitive and the horses that you've discovered or you want to work on. Or maybe it's just you're going through the paces, like I said earlier. So what I want you to do is keep working on this until you feel like your horse is really relaxed and comfortable at any place and any time and anywhere. Now, I say about trying to set them up for success. So start where they're most relaxed and they're most comfortable. So let's say you get it where you can go in and you can get right to your horse's ear. You can stick a finger's ear. You can stick a finger in his nose. You can, and he's like, I'm all good. I'm all happy. This all works great for me. And there's no, ooh, don't. It's just really happy and good. And that process can take months. This doesn't mean in two weeks you're going to get this done. This can take something. This could be something you probably will be working on for months and months and months because you'll shift to a new area. But let's say, you know, the ears per se, since that's my thing with Murray, I'm going to work on this and get it where it's really good, really good. When I can go in his stall and at any place and any time, and he's like, yep, you can go cold turkey right to my ears and I like it. Or if I hold my ear up, he, my hand up, he brings his ear to my hand. That's all in his stall. So now what I want to do is check, can I do this at other places? Can somebody else do this? Can I do it with two people in here? Now, sometimes we look at that stuff, we go, well, that's just silly. Of course you can. Oh, you'd be surprised. Sometimes just, you know, a different horse next door and you can't do it. Or, you know, it's raining today and you can't do it. Or you, there's so many things that can affect it. This is called context shift. And when we shift the context, we may lose criteria. So, so get your friends, somebody you trust that kind of understands what you're doing and see if they can't go in and touch the ears or touch, start back, assume that you're going to lose some criteria. So start back where they kind of build up to the neck and build up to the neck until, you know, and, they, and they're reinforcing, clicking, reinforcing until they kind of have the same response with them that they had with you. Now they're kind of going, and then try it with somebody else. Can they just go, no, only Murray is a type that says, no, Shauna, you are okay and safe, but nobody else is. So it takes me a bit to get him to the next person and that he won't even look at new people at first. So then when that's good, can you do it with two people? Again, this seems like nothing, but when... When there's two people, what does that usually signify? It's usually the vet. And that the vet usually gets much more invasive. That's partly what they're there to do is to administer things. So sometimes two people can be a thing. Okay. When different people can do it and two people can do it, next, take it to another place. Can you do it in his paddock? Can you do it in the stall? Can you do it in the cross ties? Can you do it in the arena? Can you do it? And check that you can do it those different places. We also talked about checking to see or trying to set it up where it is after exercise. He is more apt to be relaxed and calm and quiet. So that's great. But then can you do it you know, so maybe you've only done it in the afternoon after he's eaten and he's kind of slow. Now, well, can you do it midday? Can you do it early in the morning? Can you do it before he's turned out? So eventually move to those places that kind of challenges is just a little bit. This is really a way that we can understand, is this behavior really solid? And this is a good practice for any of your behaviors is can you do it at different places, different people, different times. So that's what I want you to do is kind of work on your different areas. And if you get one area really sorted out, see if you find another area that might be a tricky spot and then work on that one. So this is going to be an ongoing thing, but hopefully in the next couple of weeks, you can really see some progress within your one particular area you've worked on. Doesn't mean it'll be resolved, but making some progress. Anyway, so there you go. That's your homework. And then next time, I think we're going to get started on um, maybe some de-spooking exercises. And this 
is a really good exercise to prepare us for some of the the de-spooking things that we might be working towards. Between this, standing quietly and leading, these things are all really, really good to kind of move into that impulse control and and, mm, classic conditioning of our relationship and trusting us. Okay. Anyway, we'll get to that later. Okay, you can listen on most of your favorite podcast players. You can listen on the Horse Radio Network app, on so it's on iOS or on Android, so any kind of phone, really. And then also, you could just search on the Horse Radio Network in the App Store. So if you find that app, it's free and it's easy to use. And I think we all know apps make it really spontaneous and you can put this show in there. So it just calls it up. I think even a lot of times it alerts you to, you know, that new shows are up. So be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. There's a slew of them. So if you, you may be surprised how specific some of them are, how fun some of them are, how useful they are. It's just a great resource for all sorts of fun things to listen to. So there you go. And until next time, I want you to enjoy getting your horse on target. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.